Hey, Philip here. I just wanted to let you know that we're going to stop airing our weekly segment of Green Tag here on the network feed. That's because we're doing some programming changes and we're trying to keep the network solidly focused on the haunted attraction industry. So even though Green Tag is related and Scott and I are in the industry, we're going to stop airing this show on the network. However, if you want to keep listening to our Monday Green Tag series, you can subscribe to Green Tag. It's in a standalone feed. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Just search for Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. Also, there is a YouTube channel that's all new that's just the Green Tagged video versions. I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. We're going to give you probably about till the end of this month until we make the switch over. So please, if you want to keep listening to this Monday series, head over and subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube version so that you can stay listening to Scott and I. Anyway, I just want to let you know that before we roll today's show. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series, co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. And check back tomorrow for our weekly haunt news roundup. Okay, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30, where we take the top theme park news from each week and explain why it matters to you. Today, we're going to be talking about DeSantis and Disney Part 2 or 3 or the ongoing saga, this week's episode of DeSantis and Disney. So the story broke last week. It was obviously the biggest news from last week, but we wanted to wait until this week because we knew that more details would come out, and they have. (laughs) So we're going to start off this episode. I'm going to give a little background and outline this big steps at play here so that we don't get anything wrong. And then Scott and I will discuss. So to give the context, as we discussed previously, when it first broke, Disney sided against Florida's Don't Say Gay bill. And in response, DeSantis signed a separate bill that took control of the special tax zone encompassing Walt Disney World. The new Central Florida Tourism Oversight District, which really needs an acronym, comprised of it comprised of five DeSantis allies would serve to take over the new municipal services and development for the land and basically also serve as a moral arbiter for the Disney company. So that was the previous story that broke. And when that news broke, we did a whole podcast. Well, not a whole podcast. We did a lengthy discussion about that and what Disney was going to do and how come they were staying silent. And that's what broke last week is the reason that Disney was staying silent. Because 19 days before DeSantis signed that new bill to move over the oversight committee, the old board had signed agreements with Disney, essentially stripping the new board of power and handing that power back to Disney. So it's called the Declaration of Restrictive Covenants, and the measure allows Disney to have the final say on any alterations to the property and requires the board to inform Disney of plans for such alterations without conditions or delays. The declaration will continue until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III. So 
what we, what has come to more light now in the past week is that this whole process was done above board and very publicly. So the declaration was public to anyone that was really paying attention to the process. A detailed note about the restrictive covenant clause was recorded in the February 8th Reedy Creek agenda and all the meeting minutes. And all those documents are available online with no public records access needed. You can just go online and, and read about the discussion of this covenant and, and the uh, voting for that. So the restrictive covenant is binding, meaning Disney could easily sue the board now for legal damages if it tries to overstep its powers and its oversight. So that was last week. So what has happened this week is that now the DeSantis-aligned board has agreed to hire four law firms whose fees will be paid by the tax revenues that Disney is generating. And on Monday, during the annual, during the annual shareholder meeting, Bob Iger said the Walt Disney Company plans to invest $17 billion in Walt Disney World over the next 10 years and create 13,000 new jobs. He was asked specifically about this disagreement just this week, and he took a pretty hard swing. He said, our point on this is that any action that thwarts those efforts simply to retaliate for a position the company took sounds not just anti-business, but it sounds anti-Florida. And I'll just leave it at that. Of course, not to be outdone. On Thursday, DeSantis had a speech at a college and he vowed to kind of void the declaration, adding, we're not just going to void the development agreement they tried to do. We're going to look at things like taxes on the hotels. We're going to look at things like tolls on the roads. We're going to look at things like developing some of the property that the district owns. So that's where we are. We went from really understanding why Disney didn't do anything because they had already made a move that was public and people really probably should have caught it, but kind of overlooked it. So Disney effectively stripped the board of its power before they were able to take control. But then this week, of course, the saga continues. Uh, Disney seems like they're taking a much more pointed. I mean, that's pretty pointed to say that to basically saying that DeSantis is anti Florida when he is the governor of Florida. So they're, they're taking a stance. And of course, DeSantis is never going to back down and he is hiring legal teams and blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, Scott. Well, first let me clarify. Um, I'm not in Tampa right now. Oh, did um, I say Tampa? Oh, and, sorry. Uh, so, so I just want to clarify that only because being outside of Tampa, I am not sitting in this boiling cesspool of crap that's going on in Florida. I am, I'm sitting in a different boiling location. I'm still in Abu Dhabi, but, um, so I'm not quite as as in the thick of things as I normally would be for something that is is this um, Florida centric. Um, however, the, none of this makes uh, none of this surprises me in the least. Um, you know, I, I think that all too often um, we have found ourselves in a uh, in a battle of one versus another. And we're not looking at what is best for the constituents. We're looking about what I can claim as a victory um, when it comes to politics, when it comes to business. Um, I think I, I can't say that I have always agreed with, um, with Iger's statements in the past. Usually do, but not always. And in this particular case, though, this is clearly anti-business. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure I can go so far as to say anti-Florida, but I will say I think so, but I, I can't, I can't get, get completely on that bandwagon. But is it anti-business? Absolutely. And anybody who is supporting DeSantis in this, I want you to take 
a real hard look at this because basically this is setting a precedent so that the government can take anything that, that a private yeah. company owns. Yeah. Um, I want you to take a real hard look at this because this is a very slippery slope. Now, I will also say that, um, you know, and this is discussions, I know, Philip, you and I have had this offline and I've had this discussion with other people. Um, don't go lawyering up against Disney, yeah. especially when it comes to entertainment <laughs> law. Um, and, and this kind of, you know, this kind of uh, hospitality law and ownership law. They, they worked on the Reedy Creek development concept long, 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 long before the park was even broken yep. ground. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, the fact that DeSantis, I mean, let's break this down just a little bit. The fact that DeSantis is using the money mm -hmm. that is being raised by the state of Florida yep. by Disney to lawyer up against Disney instead of taking that money and utilizing it to benefit the state of Florida. That's where I agree that it that his actions right now, short term, are anti-Florida. Whether it's anti-Florida long term, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that that's out of my out of my area of expertise. Um, but short term, it appears to, based on this information, to definitely be anti-Florida, taking tax revenue that is generated by tourism, which is huge in Florida, and putting it in, uh, investing it into not one, not two, not three, but four law firms to go against the entity that is generating this tax revenue. Help me explain how that is beneficial to the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is a point where we have to recognize the, you know, the, the quote unquote moral, um, and I put that in quotes because I do not believe that his stance is moral, but he does, so we will put it there. Um, this, this stance, which again, the, the amount of revenue generated by um, the people who are not only members of the LGBTQ plus community, but also allies of the LGBTQ plus community are huge, are huge, especially when it comes to tourism. So this could be a second basic stance that is that could be considered anti-Florida. Um, yeah. But I just, I, I'm curious, but, and, and the interesting thing is outside of the, 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 uh, the hospitality industry and the attractions industry. Um, there are also, he is also pushing through and uh, sort of, he's using Disney as a, uh, a top line big, like let's grab all the headlines kind of thing. What he's doing secretly is um, certain laws about how children can be taken from their parents if their parents uh, identify, uh, help them identify their, their gender mm -hmm. and educate them on what their gender is if it is not their assigned birth gender. So um, there's there, this is happening on many, many, many levels. And this is, um, like I said, a slippery and dangerous slope. I think that he is using Disney to put money in front of morality and to create a smokescreen. This is not, it is not just about Disney. That's the most important point that I want to make. As a Floridian, although I'm not there now, but as a Floridian, that's the most important point I want to make. This is not just about Disney. This is not just about theme parks. This is about the government taking control of private industry. And this is about 
the government taking away rights to the point where to the point where they can remove children from their parents' care if their parents provide them with education and support regarding gender, um, either reassignment or gender identification. So this does not sound like anything that is particularly American to me, um, or at least traditionally American. So let's just recognize that what we are seeing on the, on the attraction side is just the surface of what is happening. And I would even venture to say there are even more insidious things happening below the surface. So I, I think we need to do everything we can to make certain that Disney as a, as a private industry does not fall victim to a, uh, a governmental ideology yeah. that is trying to take away not only their control, but you know, it even says re repurposing of land owned by the district. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, you, the argument can be made in fairness, in fairness. And those of you who, who disagree with what I've just said, in fairness, the argument can be made that Disney utilized the system to get home rule, to create Reedy Creek. Um, they used the governmental system to their business advantage in the past. I do not deny that, but Walt Disney World would not exist yeah. if that did not happen. So, and and did it benefit the state of Florida? Absolutely. Yeah. Did it benefit the city of Orlando? Absolutely. I visited Walt Disney World when it first opened, and Orlando was a town, not yeah. a city. Um, it has it has basically built Orlando. It um, basically encouraged Universal to come to Orlando. It basically, I mean, it just continue to build the, the the tourism industry in Central Florida exponentially. So, um, yeah, I, it, it is a scary thing. I think it's something we definitely need to keep an eye on, but I'm glad. I am glad. And you know me, I've not always spoken in, I've not always supported Disney's actions wholeheartedly. But in this particular case, um, what's happening is wrong. And I, I support, I'm glad to see that Disney is coming out swinging. That was a lot. <laughs> um, I think it was a yeah. lot, but it's a lot of information. It, it, it's a lot. It, it's a lot. Uh, I think I agree with the overall, uh, one of the, one of your overall thesis which is this, there's a lot more under, this is kind of like the, mm -hmm. by the time it gets to the tourism piece, that means that there's, there's a lot happening that pushed it out that far and i i think to me that is also the most i don't know even what to call the most dangerous the most insidious like the most like um i think everyone in our industry should be paying attention to this and just watching how disney handles it how and i think pay also pay more attention to what's going on in your local markets as well because yeah we would not want this to become a precedent or to become a just a yeah, it, it's just not, um, it, it's, it's so, it's so strange, you know, it's just one of those things that is, is so strange to, uh, to, to basically, uh, the, the thing that, that jumped out to me in the escalations is that, you know, originally DeSantis kind of made the argument that it was, I don't know, basically he was like, it's kind of unfair. Like Disney has an unfair advantage, basically. It was his kind of like his original thing, but now it's, it's, it's very clear. I mean, in, in some of the statements he gave and in the, the speech as well when he was questioned i mean he he's drawn the parallel directly between disney not 
supporting or, or coming out against the bill and then this he's he's drawn it directly and that to me was a, a big because mm-hmm. he hadn't previously or I, I hadn't seen it as clear previously to i mean you know we all kind of suspected right but to have it to have it become part of the platform to basically be like if you are going to get in our way with legislation then we're going to get in your way with what you're doing so that's kind of like i think that's very um that to me was surprising and also something i think a lot of I think the tourism sector needs to rally basically. And we need to be like, this is not okay where we have people telling us private companies, what type of entertainment we're allowed to offer. Like, that's just not like, that's not going to fly kind of no matter how you, you slice it. And who we're allowed to employ yes. and who we're allowed to provide insurance for and yeah. who we're allowed to recognize as, as partners. Uh, yeah. Like let companies, private companies need to, you know, I mean, companies need to stay private. <laughs> I mean, we, we need to be allowed to like, I, I don't know, companies need to be allowed. I mean, again, the first amendment type of things like companies need to be allowed to do business the way that they want to do business. You know, like, I mean, again, if, if you know, if a company chooses to have, value-based entertainment which is totally fine that's fine but they the company shouldn't be dictated to what kind of entertainment they're allowed to offer uh in their parks by the local government that's that is definitely um like cause for alarm and and i i guess what perched me up in this whole story was like oh he's not like the the line is is being drawn almost directly that that is what they're trying to do even in the statement saying that the committee was supposed to kind of be a moral check on a company, you don't need a moral check on a company. That's not, that's what laws are for. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, that's not not free enterprise. That's not free (laughs) enterprise to act, to to quote what you said earlier, to serve as a moral arbiter. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when they said, when, when the board said that in the, in their statements, you know, cause kind of what happened is, um, the board kind of met with their second, had their second meeting. And basically they were like, well, we can't do anything based on what happened previously. Um, that's the other thing that, that kind of, I'm not sure how much I buy, but it's just, it's another weird piece of the puzzle. Like, are you going to tell me that so much work went into crafting this and then nobody went to the meeting, you know, of the group that they were going to take over? I mean, it's, yeah, but I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm glad this is Disney. Let me just say it that way. Like Disney, if, if right. someone has to deal with this in our industry to kind of put it, I'm glad it's them because I, I really can't think of anything that Disney has done wrong here. And I even think it was appropriate for him to start. I even think it was appropriate for Iger to not really hit back, but to just kind of put it in that way. Because because to me, I the other big takeaway I had from this is like, Disney really doesn't have anything to lose now because they they've they've secured what they can secure so there's really like there's really not much stopping them from standing up more about what they you know about this about what they want to be able to do and i think that could be very detrimental because disney is arguably right like the best pr lobbying company in the world (laughs) yeah well the other interesting thing is you know i'm and i'm going to i'm going to put this out this is not I am not stating this as fact because I do not know, but I'm going to float this idea out there and we'll see how it, uh, how it plays out. Um, I would float the idea that this has nothing to do with Florida. Yeah. This is a way of DeSantis continuing to build um, brand. promotional yeah. sound bites for his run for presidency. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and and I'm I'm curious to see how it happens. And I think that it could be one of the most disastrous things he has done because it could explode in his face. Um, but I also can see that there is there are certain members, uh, certain voters out there in in a very vocal um, minority, um, but uh, who will who will say yes? He's he's showing he's strong and he's going against these these uh, liberals and he's going. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so I'm what I'm concerned about as a as a resident of the state of Florida. Um, or permanent resident, not current, but as a permanent resident of the state of Florida, what I'm concerned about is, will Florida be left in the wake as DeSantis moves towards the presidency? Is it, I don't care what happens to Florida as long as I can use it as a, uh, a box checked to move towards the presidency. I don't, I don't know. Again, I am not, I do, please do not get upset with me. Please do not send letters. I am not saying that is what is happening, but I just want to float that idea out there because in my the way I put together stories, it could be a possibility, and it doesn't sound too far fetched to me. I think that that sentiment is exactly what Iger was speaking to on the shareholder meeting. That's how I read mm-hmm. that line. I read that line basically like not 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 just that we are here to stay and we're invested in Florida, like not just to underscore that, but also to again you're again storytelling. That's what Disney does, right? They are. Now they are sculpting us like previously it was like, we're all in this together. You know, we're trying to make whatever. Now it's like, we're the opposite. You know, they're trying, they're starting to draw the characterizations between DeSantis and Disney. And they're basically saying we're, we're invested in this country or in this, in this country and in this state for a long time, at least 10 years. And I have all this stuff and we have all this money plan. And that seems to directly parallel it, it's like by saying that they're implying the inverse of DeSantis and he has not, I mean, he doesn't have any, anything to like, what is he going to say? Right. There's nothing that, that, you know, and, and I think that that was something else that a lot of the, not the shareholders, but also the, the bloggers and a lot of the news people took was when they put out those numbers, because really that was really like the, the first time they've kind of given concrete, concrete-ish numbers and, and kind of like development plans for the area. And that was a big question. You know, even we asked it, we, we, we were talking about on previous shows, look at the expansion mm-hmm. in Asia and UAE, you know, and California, like how much is Disney really going to expand in Florida? How much can they expand in Florida? Like it, how much, you know, when are they going to tap out the market? Like what's all this? And I think that statement s- said a lot. It said we're, you know, we're not done in this market. There's still plenty of room to grow. And that, you know, that's enough to build another gate as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that's, that's enough investment, that type of thing. So I think they were directly speaking to that sentiment. Yeah. It's, it's it, the moment this statement was made, everyone I know who works in the industry and especially those who are Orlando based immediately, the first words out of their mouth was uh, additional gate yeah. question yeah. mark. Yeah. Um, and if so, what would it be? And I know there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a couple of articles that have floated out there. Um, probably the most common rumor, rumor, rumor alert, this is not fact, rumor alert is uh, the either the Pirates and Princess concept with it, which they've been testing as a special event for years, or or the Villains Park, which has yeah. been um, in oh so very, very, uh, it's been oh so very popular in as far as a, a conspiracy theory. So um, who knows? 
who knows? But as you say, Philip, the bottom line is he came out and he said, we are invested in Florida. Not sure whether the, the current governor is. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard swing. And I think it's just going to get harder. And, you know, I, I would not want to, uh, go up against the storytelling power of Disney. Like I, I would not. <laughs> oh, clearly they are. When you say storytelling, it's funny because this could, and I don't mean to undermine the importance of it, but this particular story could play out very much like a Disney film where you've got this uh, insidious mm -hmm. villain who is mm -hmm. uh, trapped by their own vanity or, or um, desire for power or whatever. Uh, it's interesting. Like it we'll is see. the Disney story. And I just feel like that is going to work against the people, in, you know, against DeSantis in so many ways because Disney has a lot of fans and especially in that area. And they're good at telling that story, like that story, the like hero villain story. And right. if they can shift things around. Yeah. I, anyway, I, I just, I wanted to wrap this up uh, this section, but I want to, I want to know Scott, like, what do you think our listeners should do? with this information? What, what, what do we do? Well, I think it's important to recognize that, you know, if it, if this kind of thing can happen in Florida with Disney, which is supposedly untouchable, um, it can happen anywhere. So, uh, be involved, uh, whether you are a, uh, a major theme park or whether you are in a, a family entertainment center, whether you are a zoo, whether you be involved in your local politics, be aware of what's happening in your local politics. And don't just look at the things that you think are going to affect you directly. Look at the things that are lying beneath it. Um, because I think the most important thing, my most important takeaway in this story, as a Floridian, and I'm speaking very selfishly, as a Floridian, uh, my basic takeaway is don't get caught up in the bluster that's covering the deeper and perhaps more insidious decisions that are being made underneath this. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I say be involved, get involved, whether it is getting involved with, um, local government, whether it's getting involved with, uh, chambers of commerce, be aware of the, the decisions that are being made because whether you think they're going to affect you directly or not, I mean, who would have thought, who would have thought that the don't say gay bill would have affected theme yeah. parks? I mean, who, who, yeah but it's clearly making a big deal. So be involved, um, yeah. be aware. Okay, well, we'll move on to the also Disney story, but different on the staffing end. Uh, meanwhile, and all the, while all this is also happening, uh, Disney has eliminated its metaverse department as part of a broader restructuring that is expected to reduce headcount by around 7,000 across the company over the next two months. They had previously announced that 7,000 person layoff, which we did cover, but the new piece about this is they've eliminated entirely the metaverse section. But of course, those layoffs are not touching the parks, as we have talked about a lot on the show. Disney and the unions mm -hmm. have agreed on a new contract. This is courtesy of the Orlando Sentinel. The proposal will raise Disney's minimum wage for full-time workers from $15 an hour to $17 immediately. The rate will increase to 18 in December and $20.50 by the contract's end in 2026. It also introduces eight weeks of paid child bonding leave. 
The deal makes Disney the highest paying theme park employer in Orlando. Universal Orlando raised its starting wages to 17 an hour earlier in February when they were still negotiating this contract. Uh, Disney World's frontline staff say this pay increase will make a big difference in their lives. In recent years, some workers have reported sleeping in their cars, living in motels, or sharing small apartments with multiple roommates to make ends meet. So uh, there's there's also a lot there. I think for me, the big takeaway is, God, we just talked about it with the IAPA North America Summit, right? Like the metaverse, all that kind of died quickly. And I think the reason, um, it may not be completely dead, but it's more like the arrival of a much greater AI and much more access to AI is changing what that whole thing is going to be. And it, it's pretty clear that it's more going to be like the internet, as in it's things are going to operate in the background as part of part of infrastructure that we use. And so <laughs> we are yet back to content is king. And I think that is clear. At Iger said as much, he said about restructuring to put the artists more accountable for their work and putting them closer to the stories and distribution and get rid of the metaverse. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Because if they make incredible content, whoever owns the quote unquote metaverse or whatever that ends up being will come to them anyway to lease their characters just like they have always done. So I think that is, that's pretty a uh, thing. And then, and then, you know, the other big thing is the staffing arms race. And I'm not quite sure right now how we're going to fit one to potentially two new theme parks in Orlando with the staffing being this bad. Yeah. I, I think that that is, I think that that is very accurate uh, for me. Metaverse. i Go back and listen to old episodes. Right. I was never a fan. <laughs> I was never a fan. Just saying. Just saying. I was never a fan, and I thought it was just because I was old. I will. I. I, I was a fan, but for the, I wasn't a fan, but for the wrong reasons, and I admit that. Um, but uh, I always said theme parks need to, to continue to focus on creating live, in-person experiences, not things that happen out here, but things that happen right here, right now. That's been the purpose of theme parks from the get-go. That's why Disney, uh, that's why Disneyland was created, was to give people an opportunity to take things from the movies into the real world. Um, it also ties directly in line with our whole big discussion that we had not too long ago about authentic reality. Um, I think that the idea of, uh, you know, the metaverse, it's great in theory. Mm -hmm. It's really great in theory. And honestly, it may, it's time may come. There may come, we may reach that point, but we ain't there yet. And I think that people who are living uh, a whole generation or multiple generations that are living on their phones and living in their digital world, what are they going to do when they want to get away, when they want to have a vacation? They're going to go to something real and use it to create content for their digital yeah. world. So uh, you, you need that, that you need that touch point in reality. And to to uh, to eliminate the metaverse, uh, to for Disney to eliminate the metaverse, their metaverse department makes total sense because, as Philip just pointed out, if you create great content, if you create wonderful, impactful in-person experiences, um, no matter what the technology is, then the metaverse will follow. I mean, the rest of the yeah. the the internet and the other content creators and we'll all, they will all come back to that touch point. But in order for content to be created, that is viable. You know, how many of us, when we get locked into that, uh, that, that TikTok loop or the, the, the social media loop where we get stuck just watching videos, none of them or very small percentage of them are CGI. Mm -hmm. They're all capturing the cute dog. They're all capturing the, the, 
the kids who are dancing. They're all capturing yeah. the, the, they're all real things. They're all live things. And I think it only makes sense to, to continue in that regard, making it easy for people to put it, to tr translate it into digital. But everybody has the ability to do that mm -hmm. now. Everyone can make digital content. Not everybody can make real, in-person, impactful experiences. Sometimes it's fun to be right. It happens so rarely. <laughs> I, <laughs> huh. Yeah, I, I, and I don't, know whether, I don't know whether I'm right or not, but at least I'm loud. And, uh, you know, and I get it. I have this, this great opportunity to have these discussions with Philip and uh, to share our thoughts with you. Uh, but unfortunately, we can only do it at about 30 minutes at a time. And those 30 minutes are out. So um, until next time, on behalf of Philip Hernandez and myself, Scott Swenson, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we will see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.